Yes, sir. Yes, sir. The man wanted to ride. What did he do? Swing down, sweet jazz. If you're feeling my vibe, then we can all just ride. If you want to get down, then we can all just ride. I'm a people, throw your hands up high and just ride. Where you're from, east side to west side, just ride. I'm a people from uptown to downtown. From Cali to NY, you know we all ride. Hey, Ryan, how are you doing? Hey, Jason, pretty good. How are you? I'm doing all right. Hello, everybody. You're listening to the Bay Heights Pod with Ryan and Jason. You can email us at bayheightspod at gmail.com. You can also tweet at us and get us on Instagram at bayheightspod. That's the handle for both. We'd love to hear any feedback you have. Um, so have you ever watched Survivor? The show, yes. Yeah, my wife's a big fan. So yeah. through osmosis, yep. Okay, like... Would you say you guys have watched like um, pretty diligently all the seasons, or more just now and then you've caught something? I'm uh, I'm a guy that just goes in and out of the bedroom, and um, you know we'll catch it. Don't really okay. care for it. Okay. My wife has my wife has watched every single episode of every single season. Oh, she's she's diligent. She will know the mm-hmm. characters. She'll know who's sorting out who and stuff. Yeah. So I um bring up because. I was following, I was, I'd spent uh, Thanksgiving with my family in the States and then on Netflix, I found season 28 because I had two seasons there and I just like, I don't know, I had some time to kill. So I started a few episodes and all of a sudden I found myself getting into it. And, um, the, it was brains versus bronze versus beauty, you know, the whole arc of survivor, like how they compete. Mm-hmm. And I found, I typically don't really binge shows in general. I'll watch one episode, leave, do something else, like exercise, read some stuff, whatever. But I found it really easy to just sort of flow, let it go because it's not like a fictional story or anything like billions where you're like, you really got to follow the characters and who's doing what. And if you miss a piece of the story, the other stuff won't make sense. And I really get invested because that's how I watch. I don't like those things. I don't like watching a show where I just tune out, but with survivor, it's actually really easy to follow because you're just listening to what the characters are doing. And it's everything from the games are fun to watch because there's a physical element, physical competition. You and I like sports then there's that whole social dynamic and the power dynamic between all the players and how it's not just constant. It's like, it just changes within the episode, episode to episode and how like different players can be from like forming these different alliances. And, and then, and then it always finishes at this suspenseful moment at the end, like no matter whether you're expecting or not, you just don't know what's going to happen until the very end. So it's basically like watching Monday night raw. Like, I think, I think, if you watch one, two episodes, you just you just realize it got just hooked in just like wrestling. And there's so much about it that's just so much like wrestling. And then I think what surprised me about it was it's gone on for 20 years now. It's been on like 2001. That was when the first one was or 2000 or it was the 90s. Like we were in high school when it happened. And then um, it's still going. Um, I think that's remarkable. Um, the so, thing about. I don't know. Yeah. I, I just, it was my new discovery. I feel like I might go back and try to watch. Yeah. So I remember I did I did I think uh, when reality TV first came out I watched the first season of everything so Big Brother Survivor there was this terrible show as well called Temptation Island um, so my wife will watch you know oh, yeah. pretty much pretty much all those shows and I'll you know I'll be in the room and I'll say a passing comment like well that well that guy's never gonna get over and I'll, I'll I'll use some wrestling term and she's like shut up you know and and and. <laughs> Yeah. And the thing is, the thing is, is like, well, Ryan, you watch pro wrestling and it's like, you're right. But here's the thing. I'll, you know, pro wrestling in 2020 
um, does not captivate my imagination. I watch it, you know, out of almost, um, almost, uh, an awakening. Like I want something to come along that moves me. So when I'm watching like a Ms. Kofi Kingston promo, that's just terrible or, you know, something like that on TV, you know, (laughs) maybe I'll get lucky three times a year and watch a really good segment or a really good match on TV. And like, that's, that's, that's how I watch pro wrestling today. Right. So people, you know, when people say that, like, oh, well, we watch reality TV like you watch your wrestling. It's like, no, because what you'll do is you'll watch Bachelorette. You'll watch the Kardashians and, you know, you will eat shit sandwich because, like, you like every single second <laughs> of what you're watching. And I just I just I, I, I wouldn't say I can't be friends with those types of people. But um, and my wife and I have had honest conversations. And she'll she'll definitely meet me halfway. But I know people that just love this stuff, and you know, it's like I've never watched pro wrestling the way you watch reality TV. So that's where I fall short on the comparison between these shows and pro wrestling. It's that yeah, it's it's similar that you know the the way they captivate the audience, and you know, it's a show formatted and and produced to you know, get a certain dem, uh, demo and, you know, they, they, they want to captivate your, your attention and all that. I, I get all that. There's, there's, there's the ways that you, you know, hook, line and sink are these things, but, um, you know, I watch pro wrestling to, I'm expecting that one day I'll see something that, that I like and we'll, we'll make a memory. Whereas I think people watch week to week because it's routine and they, they think that they enjoy every second of what they're watching. So okay. that's where I draw the line. I, I know where you're going with it. I'll say there are some reality shows that are just fast food and you're just taking it in. But there are... But Survivor, the reason this particular season was grabbing me was because I think what we like in our entertainment is a feeling of where we can actually um, escape or f- go into it as if we're, you know, being touched. And um, with wrestling when you and I got into it in the nineties is because it felt like it was reaching out to you, right? Like you, you actually, it felt real, right? If you were getting into the, like the fans were buying into it, anyone was buying into it. The part of why I've fallen off it now is because it's just become a bit of a parody of itself at this point. It's a bit of like, it's a little too, it's a little too smart for its own good. Like, um, that's, uh, that's not sure. the right term, but it's a, no, it's a little no, too, you're, that, no, you're right. Um, you're right. You 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 nailed it. Yeah. So then with Survivor, when I'm watching Survivor, like this is just people just in their raw element interacting mm-hmm. with one another and seeing how these negotiations work, how they're art, the art of persuasion, how certain people can't do it, certain people can. And then I get to the reunion show and you're watching like a live audience where they're cheering or booing certain people and it's and it's like the host, I forget his name. It's not like there's nothing really manufactured there. They're just straight. Uh, it felt fairly authentic the way it's all just playing out. They just cut it up the footage in a certain way. So I thought that was kind of refreshing. Um, now, were you going to say something? No. Hello? Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. So um, now the reason I brought up Survivor and wrestling, well, it ties in a little bit when we talk about reality TV too, the Kobe and Shaq Lakers, um, the dynasty series, this is the final installment actually. Cause we weren't going to go all the way back into like 
you know, an era where we weren't even um, born or whatever. We just can't even remember it. We've covered the, we covered the Warriors, we covered the Spurs, um, and now it's the Lakers. Um, well, there's one more. We'll get to it later on. But this is the this great dynasty, and we always think of it as the 2000, the 2000 to 2004 run, where they were just in that, just a real stellar championship contender every year. You kind of completely forget that they really, their run started from really like 97 when Kobe was drafted, because they were a really formidable team, and they should have played better and they had some success which i was uh, i had forgotten about those years and it was kind of interesting to see that whenever they did lose in the playoffs like they would have a you know they'd win a round or two and then they'd lose in a pretty decisive fashion like a sweep or a gentleman's sweep like that, i thought that was kind of interesting until until phil jackson came along and they brought on the the vets mm-hmm. and they just went on their mm-hmm. tear uh, which is what we remember now so i mean I was because because it was so long ago. I had to piece some of it together, and also I've mentioned numerous times how in those in those college years, I like was in and out watching in and out. And I'll mention I was also remembering why that was the case um, in a bit. But what the first thing that kind of came to mind was how Kobe and Shaq, those Lakers, they got to the uh, they they lost to Utah pretty decisively. Um, before Utah went and lost to the 98 Bulls, like Jordan's last season. Um, so my question is, we saw how those Bulls beat that Jazz, and maybe maybe it's self-explanatory if we think of the fact that Kobe and Shaq were swept by that Jazz, but was there any instance where when, I don't know if you can remember it, any instance where you ever thought that Kobe and Shaq could, go, could get to the finals and play those Bulls? Like, were you, A, would you have expected them to in, in if this were a simulation that they ever could have beaten that jazz and if they did how would those 98 bulls have fared against those kobe shack lakers uh yeah i mean the 98 um yeah the 98 lakers uh swept by the jazz and kobe's famous air ball right to end the series um i remember that team i just remember kobe was so yeah. um Physically, just, just, just didn't. He didn't grow enough into his body. Okay. Pardon me. Sorry. Okay. Okay. Just raw. You, um, not just raw. I mean, I mean, skinny and just you know, almost still a boy like this. This high school player and and Shaq not really fitting in quite yet. Um. Okay. I, it was, to answer your question, I don't, I don't know yet. how they would. Okay, I, I, so I think that kind I would of, have, I would have liked them to have played because we already saw what happened. Even though the second, um, the second Jazz Bulls was was a better final than the year before. Um, yeah, you would have liked the Bulls to have played, um, the Lakers. Right, that would have been a really cool finals, um, and kind of a bookmark as well. Um, to uh, Jordan's um, championship career of playing the Lakers uh, for the first time to win a championship and then his last one as well. So, yeah, that would have been interesting. If they played those Lakers, for some reason, I mean, you you brought up some points which kind of escaped me about, yeah, Kobe maybe and Shaq just not really being ready. And, of course, that's probably that was most likely the reason. That's why they didn't make it to the finals. But I always remember Shaq as the guy who holds – since Jordan won his first championship, Kobe, um, Shaq is the one who holds a playoff series victory over Jordan. And so I was like, 
thinking of that 98 Bulls, like how do they contain a Shaq in the center? Like it's not going to be who was that guy there? Uh, what's that guy? The Australian guy. Um, oh, Longley. I forget his name now, but Luke he's Longley. not controlling Shaq. Um, yeah, Luke Longley and Rodman. Like you can throw anybody at Shaq. I mean, I, I just. If you remember what the Bulls did was they had, it wasn't just Longley, they had uh, Wennington and Purdue and they had all these kind of like scrub centers that they were just, I think they were the first team to hack a shack. And, um, you know, they, that, that, that to me was, uh, we'll, we'll get into Shaquille O'Neal later, but to me, the blueprint to beat Shaq when he wasn't dominating guys oh, okay. was, was always there. And that was one of the blueprints to beating Shaq. Just, just keep throwing guys out there, okay. frustrate him, foul him, make him go to the line. Um, if he beats Fair you enough. that way, great, yeah. but just, just, just keep doing that. Fair enough. Yeah. You're still going against like Phil Jackson, peak Phil Jackson as a coach who knows like all the tricks that they're needed. So yeah. the reason um, I mentioned at the beginning about how I couldn't, I was in and out following this and that, the league at that time. And I realized, I know why. This era of the NBA, in my opinion, was just brutal. Like, I think that's part of why it was harder to just follow. I mean, and then I tied it in with, I was looking at where we were in the period of time. And I realized, like, that's just, it was, quote unquote, the end of history. We had, this was the vanilla Clinton years. The Cold War was over. Politics got boring. There weren't any true existential threats to humanity like there were in the Cold War. Baseball died after the strike. The rock and rest, rock and wrestling era was over. That's like when you know Hogan, Andre, Heenan, um, like Jake, like those guys were kind of pretty much they they had their time in the sun and they were gone. And now it was Bret Hart, Sean, and Diesel. And I'm going to mention those guys specifically for this reason because. We give them credit because they held the championship and they ran the company and they had some good matches. But for the most part, that was an era that of, of wrestling that's just sort of, yeah, you're on top, but you're on top in an era that didn't really matter. And Jordan mm-hmm. retiring is when Shaq and Kobe got to take over. And I and I was just thinking, okay, I get it. I know why I don't care about that era. It's because Shaq and Kobe were just the two dudes with attitudes. They were Shawn Michaels and Diesel. And um, like they're... They're on like Sean and Diesel had their on-screen love-hate relationship. Those two guys couldn't be beaten by anybody, and they just yes, they were on top, and you give them all the credit even to this day. But there's really nothing that memorable in terms of whatever they did. Like, I mean, what matches, what cards, what stories? Like, okay, angles, yes, but there was nothing truly visceral and memorable from that era. It was just such a dark time to be a fan of anything. So that's how I remember this this era what are you, what's your general takeaway from when you think of like the kobe shack years i mean like i initially have the impression that you have a much more fonder um, memory of that time period because I, I don't really to be honest no actually i i struggled actually believe it or not because um i was left fanless to a certain extent because shack pretty much broke up the team that i liked in the orlando magic and with michael being gone and the Bulls being broken up. Um, I mean, yeah, I liked Reggie and, you know, I liked Ewing and the Knicks. And I liked, you know, Peyton um, with the Sonics. And I suppose part of me would have liked one of those teams to win. Right? And what ended up happening was, um, you know, the Spurs won the next year in the strike-shortened season. Yeah, the 
uh, the Knicks made to the finals, you know, Larry Johnson's game three, four point play, you know, friend of the show, Marco Radden was, was all over that, that, you know, it didn't really move me that season all that much, maybe because of the strike. Um, the thing about Shaq and Kobe is this, they were exact, uh, perfect example, Shawn Michaels and Kevin Nash diesel. They were two bodacious guys that it's. The way I work as a fan, more so when I was younger, was I, I, I almost like built, I almost broke those guys down. I don't like guys that come in the door kicking and just start winning right away. It's weird, especially if I liked the predecessor. So I liked as a fan, I enjoyed Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman. That was palatable to me. I enjoyed that dynasty. I liked seeing them win. Um. Kind of like a lot of that with fighting. The reason why I like George St. Pierre so much was because, you know, he beat Matt Hughes, who I thought was just this Iowa hick, and I couldn't wait for someone to beat him. And finally, George did. And, you know, when, when John Jones became the 205 king, it was like, it's not that he beat someone that I hate, but I, I kind of wanted to see that championship just dominated like it was in Japan. So, um. And then, you know, with, 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 with Khabib, it was interesting because I didn't like Khabib in the beginning because I thought that, oh, man, with, you know, I, I can't wait for, you know, BJ Penn's not champion anymore. I can't wait for all these other guys that I like to be champion. And then, you know, Khabib's just started slowly beating everyone to the point that I liked him. When I started liking Shaq and Kobe is when they started losing, you know, conference finals and whatnot. So that's kind of my... um maturation process towards Shaq and Kobe. I didn't like them. I didn't like Shaq in particular because he kind of did leave. It's like, okay, I can't win with Penny and Nick. And I did think he was disloyal. I did think he, you know, he went to LA and, um, you know, just try and recreate in the West, what he did in the East. And, but only this time win. And the fact that he hitched his wagon to Kobe and, um and that and also for for la like yeah i was never an la lakers fan but i did like nick van axel and eddie jones and you know cedric sabalos and vladi divats and again kobe and shaq kind of destroyed that right because in order for their championship team to form they had to get rid of those players right so more reason why i didn't like the lakers winning um so yeah i mean i guess I too don't look fondly on the Lakers, but for different reasons than you. But yeah, it was I was kind of like cheering for everyone else but them, oh. and I was begrudgingly watching them. I didn't mean the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Oh, you just meant the. No, era. I didn't mean the Lakers. I meant the entire era of the NBA. Right. Yeah. Okay. I guess. I, I guess for, it was just vanilla, yeah. and it just sucked. I think for me, it was I. I guess I enjoyed the NBA enough, but. Um, okay. but anyone, but those guys winning, um, but it just so happens that they, okay. you know, they, they, they won three straight championships and there was nothing I could do as a fan. So, so you, you know, I want to bring up a point about the Kobe Shaq beef that you brought up a longer time ago in some previous pod. I can't even remember now, but you, you mentioned, you made the point that, well, it's been seen before that having a beef doesn't affect the ability for a team to win that we've seen it. And you, you used, you mentioned Kobe Shaq is uh, an example where teammates had hated each other and won, but I think of them as the exception of the rule. And I was thinking about, because we've already seen so many teams that had to blow their teams up because of 
because of different tension. And I was thinking, what made Kobe and Shaq different? Well, A, Shaq was just such an otherworldly talent. Like, there's been no one like him before and after in his prime. Like, he literally could not be stopped. Just a, just a force of nature on his own. Kobe had a will that's stronger than really anybody that might have been in the game, except for maybe Jordan. And even then, you kind of wonder. Um, like, just just unrelenting, dedicated to his game. His emotions and whatever wasn't going to deter what he thought needed to be done in the play. Like, yeah, he'll take shots, but it's not because he's thinking that, oh, I don't care about the play and the team and winning. I'm taking the shots because I believe it's, it's the way it's where we're going to have to go and win. And then you had a strong front office who signed key veteran players and a strong coach who held that all together. These two kind of real strong-headed bulls who, well, no pun intended, these strong-handed men who um, don't seem to get along could just rip the team apart. However, there are all these other all these other officials and veteran players who are just keeping everybody on rowing in the same direction. And that's why it worked. So I think that they won despite their beef um, as opposed to because of it or you know that the beef didn't matter. That was, that was kind of my take. I just thought I would mention that part. I'm just I, like I'd, I'd, going into I'd say, like the Shaq Kobe. I'd say you're. Feud. I'd say you're right when it comes to basketball because it's five positions and you're rolling eight deep. You pretty much got to get along with everyone. I mean, the margin for error. It's yeah. it's different. In, it's different in hockey. If you're the first line center and you don't like your fourth line left winger, well, too fucking yeah. bad. Like that guy's getting. Four minutes yeah. a game, you're getting 20 <laughs> plus. It, it almost doesn't matter, right? And it works in other sports too. I mean, famously, Derek Jeter and A Rod didn't get yeah. along. Well, it doesn't fucking matter because, yeah, they're pl- oh, yeah. one's playing short, one's playing third, but shut up and make your plays. And when it comes to at bats, I mean, it's just you and the pitcher, anyways. You don't, it doesn't matter if you don't get along with your shortstop. So right. It, you're right. It does work in different sports. Yeah, and I guess in that's a fine. In a basketball contest, yeah, uh, sorry, basketball context, you're right. Uh, you probably have to get you. You probably should get along with your teammates more than you don't. Yeah, those other sports, good points. I mean, like you said, baseball. Like when you're second, your shortstop and third base, you're not really throwing the ball to each other um, all that often. Um, like it's well and even then it's the act of throwing a ball to another guy i'm I'm sure you can figure that out even if you hate each other um and football hockey yeah you don't really spend that much time actually interacting that much um well that'd be okay depending which position in football but if you're offense defense it's fine with basketball if you're playing like 40 minutes a game with the other guy and you have to pass each other the ball numerous times over 48 minutes uh, it's it's just chemistry Mm -hmm. matters differently um so that okay let's Let's look through this run here with this playoff, what this run looks like, this five year run. And I'm going to, I'll, it'll probably sound like I'm whizzing through it pretty quickly because, in my opinion, it, it looked really mundane. And then as I looked through the brackets and tried to figure out what the, the hidden gems were, like the little things I find interesting, like we do throughout these series, I didn't find all that much. And that just sort of reaffirmed what I was thinking about how I found the era just brutal overall. So, but then you, you might have more visceral memory. So just jump in as I go along. Okay. Um, in the 90, the 99, 2000 year, this is when Jerry West signs Phil Jackson and they pick up Brian Shaw, John Sally, Ron Harper, AC Green, and Rick Fox. The regular season, they go 67 and 15. And then the finals, this is when they beat Reggie's pay- Oh yeah. And throughout this, I'm barely mentioning the playoff brackets. Cause I guess I don't, I just didn't find anything all that inspiring. 
Um, the Lakers beat Reggie's Pacers 4-2. And you know what? I always got the impression, too, when analysts talk about this era, a lot of the time they talk about that finals and conference finals win. I just doesn't. I don't feel like there's a lot of conversation around the stuff that happened before then compared to, like, when they talk about the Heatles and they talk about the um, the Warriors um, or, like, the 08 Celtics. There's just a lot of just stories throughout. Even for all the talk about regular seasons not mattering, there's just more stories, more insights into stuff that happened just besides the final. That's the impression I'm getting. But I'll, um, I'll disagree with so you. So they beat a Reggie's Pacers four two. Okay. The, okay. The, the the Portland series of two thousand, the one that went seven games, I feel like that has at least played up enough in terms of Yeah. That one. The lake yeah, that, that that's one. like the one, yeah. right? Yeah, that and it's the only one. It it was a competitive series. I mean who was the finals? Do you know right away? No, Lakers, Portland. I mean, like that's kind of what I'm getting at. Yeah, no, you're right. But but the the thing about the thing about the thing about Portland was uh, they I believe they fought two elimination games, and then before the Lakers in Game Seven went on that like 25 to like two run or whatever with a big Shaq alley oop, and then he stares at his hand. Um, And I believe there was a blown call there that should have gone. Uh, trailblazers way anyways that was at least drama that was at least like the one team that didn't like you know just keel over i mean the next year was what they had yeah. well you'll get into it if three straight sweeps and then they they place they uh they play the um 76ers in the finals so as you were yeah so um yeah, okay. We'll park that point. There might even be a whole other topic about most more memorable things because I, I, I just feel like there's a lot of first-round, second-round matchups, all that stuff that sort of get remembered over the past few years. I don't know. Maybe that's a bit of recency bias, too. Um, hey, question for you. Just side question. Were you aware that Phil Jackson and Jerry West had a bit of a power struggle back then, and that's why Jerry West left the Lakers? I just I was not <laughs> no. aware of that. No, I had no okay. clue. But it's just really interesting about Phil, everything we know about Phil, and that's how Jerry West, the Laker legend, had to leave the Lakers anyway. Wow. Um, but I guess you win a championship, you got some juice. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Phil, you may be a prick. Um, so then in <laughs> I, 0, and then, 100%. <laughs> he's not aged well. So then in 2000, 2001, Horace Grant signs of the Lakers, the regular season. So they drop a few games to, to go, instead of 67 15 the previous year, they went down 56 26. So like you said, the Lakers sweep the first three rounds, then they get to Allen Iverson to the finals. This obviously one of the more memorable series ever. Um, the, uh, sorry, wait a minute. Oh yeah, okay. The, uh, sorry, the, you know what? I'm gonna make this ask this one question for you, and then bring it back to the back up to the Pacers section. Um, well, that's not a question. It's a point I was going to make. So when Reggie's Pacers lost in that finals, that was their only NBA finals appearance ever. I just realized. I mean, they're an ABA team. And it just shows you that's 20 years ago. Haven't made a finals ever. Like, I'm, gonna, I'm always going to keep repeating in our podcast. Don't tank and just don't be a cheap. Don't be don't cheap out when you actually have the, the resources, when you can win, because those opportunities do not come. You can't just take for granted that they're going to come. Um, so back to the, to the Lakers and Sixers. So this was the year, I mean, okay. 
bias, my, my hometown bias, like, I mean, I'm looking at this from the, hey, Toronto had a really good team. This is the year that Vince went toe-to-toe with Allen in the, the second round. I believe it was the second round. Goes mm-hmm. down, it comes down to that last shot. It's really interesting to look, at, and this is such a memorable playoff series um, with the Lakers and Sixers, a memorable performance by Allen Iverson, and it, and it kind of flips on that one shot, really, because, okay, if Vince hits that shot, which he very well could have. I mean, I, I like in plenty of other simulations, I bet um, maybe 30, 40% of the time he hits that shot. And the, I'm just wondering, like, well, two questions. Uh, first, does Toronto, did, did, back then, did you, did you have any confidence that Toronto could get to that finals? And if they did, uh, well, I think I'm answering my own question. They probably do get squashed by the Lakers too, don't they? Mm-hmm. I, I, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then, so AI, if, if Vince hits that shot, I realize Allen doesn't get to the finals. No, he never gets to another final ever. And that's it. Yeah. That's his career. You wonder like what memory we don't have the, he steps over Tyloo memory or he, he just takes over game one like that. Cause that's kind of the, the pinnacle of his career really, isn't it? Where he just sort of took over that game one and just blew everyone away. Like that's when people I, actually wonder, Oh goodness. Like this Laker team. Can I mean, my team? my affinity for Allen Iverson all these years has always hung on the fact that he's the one guy given so little um, in terms of support, infrastructure, my God, head coach. And, you know, for one year, did the most with the least. So if Allen Iverson doesn't have that... Um, and kind of has, you know, scoring tails and MVPs and all that, you know, does, you know, he, he's, you know, in a lot, you know, we talked about Jimmy Butler being <clears throat> Steve Austin and WrestleMania 13. Um, well, that was Allen Iverson's WrestleMania 13 right there was like losing, but just like having one of the best seasons ever. I mean, um, so if Vince takes that away from Allen Iverson, um, and the Lakers just—I mean, the, the, the Lakers were always going to win, so that's that's one thing. But yeah, um, and what does that do for Vince if Vince made a final? Because we're going to talk about Vince Carter one day, and um, mm. so that might change the story arc of Vince Carter if he has a finals appearance and Allen Iverson doesn't. But um, yeah, that's really interesting when you put it like that. I, I would, I would probably. I, <laughs> I probably couldn't put Allen Iverson on the pedestal that I currently have him on if okay. if he if he didn't have it. It's it's not it's it's not only the one it's it's not only the uh, it's not only the finals appearance. It's that he won the it's it's that he won game one, right? That was yeah. his championship. It was it. like such a exactly. It's like yeah. I'm gonna lose. I'm gonna lose. But um, you know, it's it's I'm like I'm gonna go into Staples. And punch yeah. him in the mouth and drop. Yeah, uh, I forget how much he dropped, but yeah, um, yeah. I want to say 40, it's like, but it, I could be wrong about that. But. It's like when you, it's like if Jeff Hardy had to fight Brock Lesnar and he's just gonna <laughs> chair shot him right at the beginning because you know he's gonna lose the rest of the match. But let's get my one lick in, and uh, you know you can you can have at it for the rest of it. It's just yeah, he's gonna <laughs> get that one sucker punch in just to show that like, yeah. I belong here. And I know you're going to beat me, so and I'm going to take my beating like a man. So that's that's what that was. Does um, just quick AI question? Do you think that he his icon status, this culture, has you know he's a bit of he's this legend, right? Does does it not ferment the way it did if he didn't 
have that performance? I know you, you talked about yourself, but how about in general? Do you think that people would have seen him differently and just maybe not have held him in this, been idolized the way he has been? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think it takes a hit, you know, and, you know, we okay. talked about the kid from Coney Island. Like the, the reason why, the reason why Allen Iverson isn't Stefan Marbury is, is because he, he, he did like these things. One. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He, he did, he did certain things. There's, there's meritocracy to, to his game. He wasn't just this, you know, when, when, when people are talking to younger people, when, when people our age are talking to younger people, it's like, Oh, Allen Iverson, this, that, and, 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 you know, these kids can just be so snooty and snotty. It's just like, well, did he, did he ever make it to a championship? And you can be like, yeah, motherfucker. He did. He went and he played <laughs> against, he, he played against Shaq and Kobe and he actually like, you know, um, won one game. You know, and he won the he only had, game they lost in that playoff. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And that that's exactly it. That's they were un that, that's that's exactly it. Um so yeah, I think for his legend status it kind of all had to happen. And you know, really that was the pinnacle of his career, right? He kind of just um he, he built on his legacy, don't get me wrong, but yeah, um, he needed that, that he needed that crescendo moment. Um, to be in that conversation, and then he just, you know, the 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 folklore of of Allen Iverson was just written after that. You know, that's that's where you build yeah. your story. That's that's where a movie producer comes along and goes, "Okay, he made it to a finals. Now we can write the movie." I agree. I agree. So, as we mentioned, that was a fifteen-one record that the Lakers had in the NBA finals or in the NBA playoffs, the best in history. So then. <laughs> When I told you about how it was mundane, so games, so when you go to Wikipedia and then there's the game by game series and then kind of give a bit of a synopsis to what happened, games, after games one and two, there's not even any commentary games three, four, five. That's that's just validating what I'm saying about how just the the bottom of it. We remember game one, we remember AI's just craziness and him stepping over Ty Lue, but whatever. We knew the Lakers were going to win, they win. So we get to like 0102 regular season record 58 and 24 okay so about the same as the year prior then um <clears throat> which is really interesting right these are not even 60 win teams but anyway the Lakers uh they faced that Kings in game in seven games in the Western Conference Finals um before being before sweeping the Nets in the finals game so talking about game summaries they had game one had a summary of that finals and then there were no summaries from games two three four um. Do you have any memories or thoughts or anything, any takes on on that year, whether it's the Kings, and I'm pretty sure you wouldn't have anything on the Nets, but I know the Kings get talked about. I didn't have any, to be honest, because it's been sort of played out already for myself, but just throwing it yeah. to you first before talking yeah. to anyone. Well, it's funny because you you mentioned your contempt for Chris Webber, the announcer. I, okay, I never yeah. liked him at... I never liked him as a player. So it's funny how it's funny how like, you know, when Shaq was calling the Sacramento Queens and all this stuff and like this notion that Chris, you know, effing Weber was supposed to be the foil for like Shaquille O'Neal was, was laughable. And I wasn't, I wasn't even a Shaquille O'Neal like fan. It was just like Chris Weber was, I don't know what it was about him and his career. I feel like he was a media creation that I just never saw that guy as a winner. I never, just, just never, ever, ever. And um, 
it's it's not like I have some superpower where I could have noticed this, but it's just like I I I didn't think he would win, and I didn't want him to win. So if anything, with the Lakers beating um beating the Kings, and the Kings did have some players I like, obviously I like Divots and Bibby and Peja and you know all those yeah. guys. Like there was there was nothing wrong with it, and the, and I like the fact that Arco Arena was like a crazy place. Yep. I don't know if you heard it. The doorbell rang behind me. Oh, I didn't and, hear uh, Okay. And I mentioned to you how there's um, spot checks that the government does when they just show yeah. up and they just want to, it's like you're in, uh, I'm trying to think what example we have like from our childhood where, where you might get um, checked. Maybe in, I don't know if you, I don't know if they do this in camp where they just to make sure that you're in your dorm. I don't know if maybe boarding schools, they do this or not. Yeah. Maybe boarding schools or maybe boarding schools or boot camp or something. Yeah, so it's like what they do is they they knock on your door and then you got to get your passport, show your ID, show them your face. Yeah, man. tell them that stuff. Um, <laughs> That's crazy, man. Yeah, That's yeah. Awesome. so impromptu, yeah. And I have to, they were just, they actually called me. I have to go do a COVID test uh, on Sunday. That's part of the oh, protocol wow. as well. Oh, man. So you got to test negative before they. Yeah. So if you test positive, then they'll extend the stay. I think they might upgrade you to a to a better room if you're gonna have to stay longer. I'm not sure about that, but that's what someone told me. That's hilarious but, that you um, get rewarded okay. for a for a positive test. <laughs> well, I mean, they um like they're taking it seriously about you know oh, making sure that you're not gonna get infected, but they're not trying to do it in a way where they're punishing you. They're trying to they're trying to do it in a way that is reasonable right mm-hmm. um and i think that it's lost sometimes when the way black in canada no not not so much it's kind of canada not so much as, as in the u.s where there's a security measure that has to be done and well it's binary it's either it's got to be the worst thing possible or it doesn't exist and it can't just be well we have to do this but we can do it in a way where we're still treating you with some dignity right yeah like for example i knew someone who's from ukraine and and she was, um, I don't know, like uh, flying through Heathrow in London, and there was some security check or some reason to be to, to be checked, and so they pulled her like away from her her line or flight to gate, and they just had to go to some security room. So she's alone in this room. There's coffee, there's snacks, there's food, and it's like good food. And then they do this check. She's in there a while, um, and then when they're done, they're saying, "Okay, thank you for your time." And then they just put her on a cart and they drive her right to the gate. And she just gets on, she gets on a plane and goes, right? You know what I mean? Like there's ways to do this stuff. Absolutely. Um, so that's, that's, that's my biggest problem. Even with Canadian customs, it's just, it's, it's, a yeah. they dehumanize. So, some people, some people can just dehumanize people. It's ridiculous. We were talking about Sacramento. Yeah. Another thing about Sacramento that I liked, not Chris Weber, but was they, they're, Arco Arena was just such a rabid fan base. I mean, that was a wild okay. building to play in. And, um, but no, back to your point about, you know, um, the Sacramento Kings. I just, I never saw it. I'm glad they lost because, you know, as much as I didn't, I guess, care for the, you know, here I was witnessing potential history in Shaq and Kobe being this amazing tandem and, and, and the greatest one two punch ever, even though that wasn't, kind of popping for me but um yeah i mean i did not want chris weber to get near a, a championship final so for 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 the lakers to 
um, beat Sacramento as often as they did. It was it was definitely something that I enjoyed. Um, the the next year, oh two oh three. This is when the Lakers obtained their four P. So the regular season, they drop a few more games, 50-32. The reason I'm, I'm, I'm mentioning the regular season records is because um, I have a point about it later. Um, so, yeah, so they dropped a few games from the previous year to 15-32. And then they make their push in the playoffs, but actually they lose to the Spurs in the second round in six games. Um, that was the year that Detroit, New Jersey, Spurs, all in the Final Four brutal the mavericks i forget which iteration of the mavericks i'm thinking that's the steve nash mavericks i could be wrong about that um but yeah so um they so we skipped through 0203 and it's really impressive when i think about it is how you think you have this run you have this loss like it's actually pretty decisive you lose the next year and then you come back the next year and make it to the finals because quite often you think that when your team is hot for three, four years in a row making these finals, and then they lose. You think, well, that's kind of it. Like, it happened with Miami, the LeBron James Miami Heat. It happened with the Steph Curry Warriors. You know, like, that's kind of what we think of. So to come back then in 03 and 04, um, I, 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 have, I have them in a certain regard, just knowing how, how tough that is. So this is the regular season where they they win 56 – They 56 games. This is the year that Kobe had his trial. Carl Malone and Gary Payton signed under market with the Lakers. The um, the the Lakers faced the T-Wolves the in the Western Conference Finals. The T-Wolves that have Kevin Garnett, Stephon Marbury, and Latrell Sprewell. So the, so the Lakers win the series. The T-Wolves do not make the playoffs again until Jimmy Butler takes them there in 2017. So I find that incredible. Um, wow. Just side note about the T Wolves. It just again, I'm making that point. You don't tank. You you don't. Mm-hmm. You just don't assume you're going to be back. You just when you have players, you have to do what you can to make sure you win because it's not a given. It's this is not promised. So this is the year then when the Lakers lose to Detroit four um, one. So. You, uh, this was, and I've mentioned this before, where, no, sorry, this is the year prior. Um, I didn't really follow. I was thinking of the uh, the Heat and the Heat Mav series, but um, I did not watch this. This was definitely a period where I was not watching it. So do you have any specific thoughts or memories out of any takes out of this series? I had of, uh, um... Detroit and like, yeah, well, before Detroit and and Miami, sorry, Detroit and LA, the when the Spurs knocked okay. off LA, um, in what five oh, okay, or six sorry. games? Oh, you mean? Yeah, okay, in yeah, what, six five games, or six games. Prior. Okay, I watched Game Six at a yeah, bar six games. with. I watched Game Six at a bar with a diehard Lakers fan in front of the show, Freddie. He's uh, <laughs> he named his dog Kobe. Um, and okay. um, so it, it's funny how I'm not cheering for Lakers, and then all of a sudden I'm cheering for Lakers. Like I was, I was cheering for them. I was, I wanted. Now that I had seen three straight championships, which I've seen before, I want to see a team win four straight championships. Right? It's like you get to a point where 
you know, and it just happened not too long ago. The the Pittsburgh Steelers just lost um, uh, their game. They were 11-0, and they were going to go 12-0. And I am not a Steelers fan. But you know what? Yeah, I would like to see a perfect season. I don't care if it's a COVID season. I don't care what it is. It would be cool to watch a perfect season. I like seeing greatness independent if I'm a fan or not. So by this point, I'm a Lakers fan. Go figure, right? And and I'm watching this little shit, Tony Parker, just dribble and drive and pop and and bouncing off Shaq eight feet and just like, who is this guy that's wearing a triple XL jersey with no muscle definition? And just like, I just, I I was so upset. Uh, I was in such a bad mood and I did not think I was watching greatness. I'm like, okay, well, Tim Duncan's okay. This little shit, someone's going to knock him down one day. (laughs) He's going to be no one in a couple years, right? So that was a memory. I watched I watched that game at a Boston Pizza and I I, I went home um went home quite <laughs> upset. Um and the funny thing was was okay, so now fast forward to the to the next year when it was um when uh when they signed GP, they signed Malone, and the I don't know if you remember, but the press conference was a joint one where both of them were there. And Carl Malone just he's wearing like a cutoff. He's wearing some like hillbilly shit. His arms are just jacked. I mean, talk about uh, talk about zero wellness policy back then. I mean, Malone is just <laughs> Malone is just <laughs> Malone's on the uh on the Scott Steiner workout regiment. I mean, he's just he's looking amazing. Gary Payton is so cocky because he's like, uh, he looks to his left. He's got a Hall of Fame. He's looking to his right. And the funny thing was, I was actually, I was so, in addition to my friend Freddie, who was a Lakers fan, I knew a couple of other Lakers fans. And they were saying, like, look, this is not good. Derek Fisher is the glue player. This is actually not good, right? And it, it was it was an interesting comment at the time. I'm like, well, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. You got two Hall of Famers joining your team. And whether... Gary Payton and and Carl Malone, maybe Gary Payton specific, taking um, you know possessions away from Derek Fisher, or because you know that clip you sent me the other day of um, of Shaq and Kobe's combined seventy one point, you know uh, Derek Fisher wearing his headband above his ears was the, the ugliest thing I've ever seen in my life. But <laughs> the way that he was able to weave in and out of traffic. And you know, dribble, kick out, dribble, drive. Um, I think people sleep on Derek Fisher, and I, you know, I remember when I remember when Larry Bird said that like Dennis Johnson is a Hall of Fame guy. I do not win any championship without Dennis Johnson, and I've heard the same about Derek Fisher. And I wonder if Derek Fisher being relegated or having to share, um, you know, share the ball. Um, share possessions, share playing time with Gary Payton. I don't know if that would have made a difference against Chauncey Phillips, right? But I remember there was games where I think a couple of you said that the Pistons, um, you say the Pistons beat them in five. I remember one game that I think LA only had sixty-eight points, and it's just ridiculous, right? How does how does Shaq <laughs> and Kobe and Gary and Carl, guys who have you know averaged fifteen points their entire career? How does a team shut them down to under 70 points, right? Well, 
I think later we would have a greater appreciation for Ben Wallace and Rashid Wallace and Rip and all those guys. And that team kind of becomes lionized. <laughs> yeah. So those are my memories of that. Um, 88, so go, 68. Yeah, so go go figure. I become a Lakers fan the two years that they, they start losing um, conference finals and, and <laughs> NBA championships. But um, those are kind of the, the memories that, that, that stick out. Yeah, I was going to ask you that question at the end, but um, you touched on it. But because I was going to ask you how influential was Derek Fisher in those wins? Because I was I was thinking that too. I mean, like, uh, okay, my bias is I'm thinking about the the later years I saw him play. But we know that Kobe won without Shaq, but he never won without Fisher. Um, his championships. I just thought it was kind of an interesting point. Mm-hmm. Um, and Fish, yeah, glue guy. Like he's not a Hall of Famer. He's not going to get his jersey retired, but he was an important part and. On and off the court, things that he did on the court, savvy, kind of dirty veteran. And then with Kobe, he came into the league with Kobe and was always sort of this voice of reason and was credited with kind of steering Kobe like on the right path when he came back to LA later when he uh, made up. He's he's done a lot of like really sly things to get out of his contracts, right? He didn't just, you almost kind of appreciate more when you think about Derek Fisher, appreciate more guys like James Harden and just say, you know what, I want to get traded or, uh, I forget who else wants to trade like Anthony Davis versus Fisher is making up these stories about his family and you know, he's got to get out of his contract or whatever anyway. But then again, maybe that's laying the groundwork for the, it was like, you had to make up a story back then. Whereas nowadays you guys are just like, oh, I'm not making a story. Yeah. Just trade. Who, who <laughs> like, knows? Who knows? Um, question. Um, just wrapping up about the, the Pistons there. Do you think, because um, piecing this together, Larry Brown wins the championship. Rick, like he took the position of Rick Carlisle. Would Rick Carlisle been able, have been able to lead those Pistons against those Lakers? Yes, like, or yes. Do you think? Hundred okay. percent. Yeah. yeah. What we know of Larry <laughs> okay. Brown and okay. Rick Carlisle. What we know about Rick Carlisle and, and Larry Brown. That was a special team, and that was a special team. Okay. I wouldn't say any coach could have stepped in, but you know, it's like. Um, it's like being a Blue Jays baseball fan. I mean, a lot of people think that Cito Gasson wasn't the greatest coach, even though he won two World Series. And his job was just don't fuck this up. And I believe that with certain coaches. I believe when you have a special team at a special time and that team, that Pistons team made it, especially when they, you know, Rashid Wallace was the trade deadline acquisition, right? So um, I think that... They, if they were ever going to win, that was the year they won. And clearly, they didn't win any other year after that. And you know, for me, watching that finals just it was so depressing because I'm like, oh my god, Gary Payton's finally going to win a championship. It's like, no, he's not. And this team was just so much better. I'm talking about the Pistons now. Yeah. Um, and I never, and I never assumed once that like this is some coaching brilliance on. Um, on Larry Brown's part, I just felt like he had some battle-tested guys, and and who knew that Ben Wallace was like this this guy that was just you know going to have years of this dominance, and he was, and I believe Williamson, a former Raptor, was like NBA sixth player that year. It, again, just a special team that that Pistons team that yeah. year. So then, okay, a few questions. Some of these are kind of throwaway, easy ones. Okay. If Kobe were not traded to the Lakers, I mean, this is not original. Would would he have had the career? I don't think so. Like he would have drafted by Charlotte, and that was the Vladi Divac trade. Yeah. So I'm guessing we just don't see Kobe as we know him, right? 
you he he doesn't hit his true ceiling like he did. His his he doesn't realize his full potential like he did, right? Without being without getting this trade. Yeah, I mean, unless he goes to Philly, I suppose. I don't know. It, it, you feel like he's a big market player, so okay. So he would get fly- out of Charlotte at some point anyway. Oh, absolutely. Yes, he he, he would okay. he would have had to, and and he would have made that happen too. And then Shaq, his rings. You think? Okay, he did win a he did win win a ring with Miami, but I feel like that's success that got built on top of other success. Um, I just wonder if he stayed with Orlando. You think he would have won a ring? You think? I actually kind of think he might have still won rings if he stayed in Orlando. He he know. may have. Like maybe yeah. he, he may like, have. Yeah. It might have been yeah. harder because mm-hmm. they didn't have they had Byron Hill or whatever that guy's name was and they had Penny and maybe he was like this. I don't think this is a championship team. But I also think too, like it's. I mean, I get it. You're not winning. It's because Jordan's still kind of going strong, and you did yeah. beat them. So, but it's just tougher. Mm-hmm. But as they head into the, and you're still a young guy, and as they head into the late '90s into the early 2000s, they take the East. I'm pretty sure that that Orlando Magic team still can dominate those Pacers, those Sixers. Yes. I don't know. That's, um, that's what I see. I see. I see post Jordan that they absolutely they stay together. They you know, they, they body all those teams, Nets, um, potentially Philly, uh, my, um, sorry. Oh yeah. Miami as well. Um, New York, Indiana. Absolutely. Um, you do, uh, I actually wrote this down and, and it's kind of a, a good segue because the aging of this dynasty, it's funny because you hear, uh, Shaq and Charles banter, uh, it gets kind of annoying sometimes. Oh, I got championship experience, Chuck. You know, listen to me, type of thing. And then, and then, you know, Charles, <laughs> would, and then, and then, and then, Barkley will turn around and say, "Oh, you got Kobe carrying you all those years." It's it's funny how the narrative though has changed because, and and I actually looked this up because you sent me that clip, and and you and I disagree on Shaq in terms of Shaq in twenty twenty. And okay. look, my whole thing is that. I don't know who was the better player and who needed who more, but I will say that the narrative around Kobe Bryant, and this is prior to his death, right? Prior to his passing, people were making the claim that, look, Kobe was probably, at the time when Shaq was winning the finals MVP, it was, and we saw those highlights too, right? The highlights that you and I saw of this run where it was, you know, Kobe would dribble, he would let Shaq take 10 seconds to plant his ass and to get comfy and, you know, they'd feed him the ball. And, you know, that it, it, it took, it took a little bit of an empire to make Shaq as dominant as he was. And look, I mean, Shaq was a beast, but, you know, Shaq's also able to be a beast when he's like posterizing, like, Austin Crozier and Rick Smith and Sabonis and Todd McCullough and Will Purdue and all those guys. And like Kobe's got to go up against like Iverson and Allen Houston. And, you know, you know, I'm not saying that Shaq didn't have his foils, but I feel like shooting guards were a little bit more. I, I feel like, I feel like day in and day out, Kobe would have the tougher matchup if we had to really, you know, piece it all together. Um, so I'm just wondering what you think, because I, you know, Shaq did win all his uh, finals MVP, but looking back, who was more valuable? Oh, um, I still think Shaq is more valuable. I just still think that 
night guy that size who moves at that speed um at that time at that time um mm. uh i still think so because you you he, he's the centerpiece of that team that's that's peak shack it wasn't the case in later years but i'm still kind of the believer that um because we kind of did see Kobe flounder a little bit in the years that followed after Shaq left. Like he still had to figure out how to become the, well, the black Mamba, like we know him as the black Mamba now. He wasn't that before. Right. That's how I was viewing Kobe. Which yeah, is why he and, the trade. Yeah. And another thing that I noticed too was, um, I think of magic and Kareem, Shaq and Kobe and LeBron and AD. I yeah. think it's very possible that when those six guys were winning those championships with their partners, that they were the best two players in the league. Um, I think Magic and Kareem were probably the best two players in the league. Maybe Bird was. I think when Shaq and Kobe were playing, I can't think of a better center than Shaquille O'Neal, and I can't think of a better shooting guard than Kobe. And yeah. now in 2020, who's better than LeBron at his position and who's a better center than 80? It's just funny how yeah. the Lakers, like every 20 years, just happen to get the best two players. It's funny because they're like, oh, we're going we're gonna to draft well and we're going to take a uh, um, CBA player and, and you know make him play through Europe. And the Lakers just say, no, we just want the best two players in the league. Yeah. <laughs> right? And it's just um, – I just can't think of – it reminds me of Kevin Arnovitz made a comment. It was it was um, when LeBron got to the Lakers, and I forget what happened with some other teams, but he just said it's really interesting franchises how they handle their development of their team. It's an expression of their identity. The Lakers just signed stars, and then other teams like OKC they don't have that luxury of just signing stars the way the Lakers are just going to do it. Right. Which is why they have to do things like what you described, do that draft and you sign that one two way player. Yeah. It's just different. Yeah. And um, I just wanted to say this as well, that the one thing I did like about the Lakers is they, they really did. Um, the, the first team that I could remember, because the, the bulls, I never, you know, Randy Brown and, you know, Will Purdue and, you know, Steve Kerr and those guys, you know, I never saw those guys as like, I, I didn't know what they were doing before they were winning championships with, with the Bulls. But, you know, when, when I would see like Ron Harper and Rick Fox, you know, Brian Shaw, Glenn, Glenn Rice, especially because I really liked Glenn Rice and he was actually the big three in, in, in that first championship that they won. He was, uh, you know, 97 all-star game MVP. And, you know, he was quite a legitimate threat and, you know, Mitch Richmond, I believe, finally won a ring with with the Lakers. So that's the one, the one thing I did enjoy with the Lakers was they would take these guys who's who I do, who, who I did enjoy, and yeah, I mean, it's it's you know, it's much like the 06 Heat. It's, yeah, you know, it's yeah, it's a first class ticket, but you know, like do your role because you've been an all star all your life. Come join us, and you have a really good chance of winning a championship by no means this is a free ride, but like, you know, you're on third base type of thing. Right. So let's just bring it home. So I was, you know, I, I kind of, I'm a sucker for that kind of thing. So, and yeah, um, so, too. so I, I enjoyed seeing that. Yeah. So now 
a lot of a lot of people always make that comment. Well, you know, if Kobe and Shaq weren't at each other's throats, if they didn't have that beef, they would have just they would have just stayed together and they would have won another like three, four titles. What do you think about that argument? I think it's the fact that Shaq was able to win the year that he did in Miami and Kobe um, a couple years later with, you know, uh, Vujicic and Odom and uh, Gasol. Um, I think the game had evolved slightly since that. Again, if you watch those highlights, it's basketball's played a little bit differently five years later and then and then almost 10 years later for Kobe, right? So, mm-hmm. um, and like you said, he had to be the block Mamba and Shaq really didn't age well after the championship here in Miami. So I don't know. I don't know what would have happened. I, I think there was too much winning left for those guys that maybe was inevitable that teams were figuring out how to beat them. Mm, had they stayed okay. together i don't know what player and he, they had phil jackson too i don't know what player could have come along and at okay. that time and just kind of you know been the glue to like you know i i i don't see it i see the i see them winning the way they did and i see them losing the way they did and they just had both had to be you know pulled away from each other yeah i completely agree with that the reason i was reading off the regular season records 67 56 58 50 56 and then that was it was because in my eyes the way i looked at it was you just see a year by year decline from you know how they start off as each year goes by just gets a bit harder like even in 0203 they didn't make it to the finals then 0304 is that last gasp just that one last chance but then they lose pretty decisively and then that's it like i don't think that they go and win in subsequent years i think like you said other teams start figuring out how to how to win right they figure out what they have to do and they start it's just like um it's like in business it's like in 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 a biological ecological systems where everything starts to adapt to what like the dominant species or the dominant players are doing and so i think i don't buy that argument i think shack kobe and shack maxed out what they could get even if they yes. were, were not at each other's throats which yeah it's a tremendous success um, I have not mentioned it at all in this whole pod because, to be honest, I personally don't care. But should we care at all about Tim Donaghy? Um, the ref, the crooked ref. Yeah. Should we, should we care about the should we care about the crooked was, ref, Tim was, Donaghy? Was was one of did he ref one of the games? I think it was the the Kings game. Like there was a right. there was some famous calls in the Kings, and the the different calls went the Lakers' way. You know what I I. I would, but since we'd be giving Chris Weber a little bit of monicum of credit, then no. I mean, screw you, uh, Chris Weber. You don't, you know, the the heel the heel referee is not going to change your legacy. I mean, go call a timeout when you have none left. I mean, oh god, yeah. It, so it's like that. It's so funny because I, I always felt like I was under a spell with Chris Weber, and um, and you kind of snapped me out of it because we were talking about. We were talking about commentary during, and you're just like, no, man, Chris Weber's this. And I'm like, is he really? And I'm like, I tune in the next game. I tune in the next game, and I was just like, wow, thanks for – you know, you, you you pulled me out of a cult, so to speak. And um, I don't know why. I just uh, – I, I, yeah, I completely oh. forgot that I didn't like him as a player, and why should I give a shit now that he's a commentator? And, um, yeah, I mean, come on, man. Tim, Tim Donahue, I mean uh, – 
my yeah. rule about refs just win by 20 and then they don't matter that's all like it did not they're like 88 68 pistons lakers whatever missed calls it didn't matter because the pistons just beat them by 20 so whatever that's my opinion on crooked refs yeah you know like the nba has to do their job but i mean the lakers were a world beating team i'm not gonna throw that all out just because of that one ref the um the just Chris Weber, just really quickly about Chris Weber because I, I, um, it's just he has a dumb look on his face. And mm-hmm. did you ever see that clip of him when he's trying to do, like, he was with the inside crew with like, uh, with Kenny and Charles, and I'm not sure if Shaq was there, but then Chris just starts just going crazy on the set, just losing his temper in the argument in the debate. So no. like, all the guys, I'll find the clip. I'll send it to you later. It, it just okay, yeah. I'm watching it in real time, and it kind of looked like the other guys didn't know what to say because, you know, like when they, they they push each other a bit, they joke around with each other. It's like okay, whatever. This is their banter. Chris was just like losing it, and it's just like the other guys just couldn't get a word in, and I, I don't even know if they knew what to say because this it's, guy looks really mad. It's but like anyway. there was a joke that he wasn't in on. Um, <laughs> I, when you um when you pulled me out of you know swamp water of, of that was Chris Weber, I remember um. Oh, you'll probably like this because you, you and your wife, um, Chopped, the show Chopped, right? Um, uh, uh, no, no, sorry, 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 sorry. Um, sorry, he was, um, he was Iron Chef. He, he was a guest judge on Iron Chef. Okay. Um, and okay. The, the hilarious part was that I think the producers probably didn't tell him that, like, hey, man, don't take your role too serious. Like, you're not a food critic. You're a fucking NBA announcer, and you're just <laughs> and you're just here to like you know enjoy some really good food. The secret ingredient was like quinoa or some shit, right? And um, you know, it's like a celebrity chef, like Bobby Flay or some shit against some yokel from Idaho, and uh, you know he tried to beat him and all that stuff. And um, and I guess. I, I don't it's it's funny because I don't think he gets the premise of the show. It's like, yes, there is a secret ingredient you're supposed to you're supposed to incorporate into your food, but what Chris Weber was looking for was the secret ingredient quinoa being like the overwhelming thing that he had to taste in every single bite of every single meal. <laughs> And he kept bringing his whole thing was like, bro, I'm not I'm not I'm not tasting enough quinoa. And then they serve him the next dish. And he goes, here I have a tofu salad with quinoa. I'm not tasting enough quinoa. This is seared perfectly. And I'm just like, who the fuck, who the fuck hired this guy? So it's just so funny how, like, you tell me about Chris Weber, And then I'm thinking, like, wait a minute. Where, where, have, I, where have I heard this? Where, where, why? Yeah, why do I have this feeling that I, too, don't like Chris Weber? Oh, right. I saw him one time on Iron Chef. Even and if that story is completely fake, I, it's like it's entirely believable because just based on everything I've ever known about Chris Weber, it's, it's yeah. just funny. Um, yeah. Other last two questions. One is: Should we have heard more from Gary Payton, given how loud he was as a personality after he won a ring from Miami? <laughs> like, yeah, it's pretty it's quiet overall, right? Yeah, yeah, he has been. It, it's like, crazy because, like, 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 like Jalen Rose wins nothing, and he's the loudest <laughs> guy in the room. You know, Kendrick Perkins probably wants to run for president. Uh, Paul Pierce. <laughs> Paul Pierce tells everyone that they're not hard enough. They're too soft, all this. So, 
Yeah, Gary. Um, well, Gary was on. Um, see, I think Gary came at the wrong time because Gary was. Um, oh, what was that talk show with all those guys? Um, um, best damn I mean, talk show, okay. best damn sports show, period, or whatever, right? And I guess Gary jumped on that show not during its early incarnations, but you see, it's funny with that show. It was really, it was really good because at the time they like. You know, they would have Tito Ortiz and Ken Shamrock, you know, really beefing. And these guys were just like, whoa, I think these guys are going to fight. <laughs> and they were really campy. And um, and now, of course, it's like it's what you see on TV every day, right? It's these shows where it's like after the break, you know, top 10 reasons why Giannis will never win a ring. Um, so, yeah, I think Gary Payton, he was like kind of just came at the wrong time type of thing. I don't know, because I feel like he, he was on that show, but that show, but I think sports media was a little bit more serious back then. The Stephen A. Smith yeah. of the world hadn't taken over. So, um, yeah. yeah. One correction, yeah, so. sports mm -hmm. media, it's all media. It's like if I'm, if I'm watching CNBC to figure out where the markets are, it's like, here's your top five stock picks for today. The top five. I get, yeah. 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 That's um, true. So um, last one, Carl Malone. Would he be as much of a recluse if he hadn't lost three NBA finals? <laughs> or would just, he just destined to just he, be this way? He's, he's, I, I feel like guy is so chill that, yeah. you know, winning championships and not winning championships, that guy would still be in his Wrangler jeans and, you know, okay. renewing his NRA membership every year. And, um, <laughs> I don't see that man changing for anything like that. You know, it's, yeah. it's funny because if we talk about like guys like Kevin Nash and stuff, like it's funny how like, I like Carl Malone, I believe it that he still drives like the same pickup truck from like 1994 from his like rookie contract. Right. And yet every time that his contract is up, he's like, no, you need to pay me more. It's like, what for Carl? You don't buy anything. It's like, it's not your business. I just, I want more money. Right. It's, <laughs> He's an interesting guy when it comes to that. He, I still think he's the same. Championships, no championships. We don't hear about him. He doesn't. He doesn't ever do sit down interviews. Uh, that's just the mailman. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I wonder if. Uh, do you remember in the last dance, the last image of him? I had him. He looked. He would look like a crazy man. Like I just wonder if he would just be a little less uh, angsty and bitter because that's, that's a little bit. I, yeah. But I, I did, I did love that part where he went on the bus and congratulated Michael. I was like, that's true. I, I'm a sucker for that stuff, man. And again, he's wearing like a tucked in NASCAR shirt. It's like <laughs> weirdest image ever. Cause he's just like this big jacked up guy. And like, he just did pro wrestling and he's like a NASCAR <laughs> guy. Right. It's, it's like, Oh, I just, just who made this guy. Right. And um, yeah, man. So uh, Carl Malone. Yeah, cool dude. Man. So no man, I um I didn't enjoy the era, but I did enjoy this pod. So hope yeah. everyone else enjoyed the chat. And it's a good so the next one we're gonna cover is the Miami Heatles. So that'll be interesting. That'll be an interesting talk. Um we'll cover that later. So everybody, if you have any thoughts, any feedback on the Kobe Shack Lakers, we'd love to hear from you. Bayheightspod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Bayheightspod and on Instagram. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Ryan. Take care, man. Thank you. Stick to your vision, keep the composition. Seen a lot of shame in the game. Seen a lot of pain with the fame. Seen a lot of highs and lows, but that's just the way life goes.